Shay Gilgis Alexander. Penny Hardaway. Shay Gilgis Alexander. Penny Hardaway. Shay Gilgis Alexander. Penny Hardaway. Waterloo Scott back to the basket. Look at the distribute. Finds Shay. Shay steps back on the three. On this episode of NBA Now and Then, the greatest comparisons, we compare two dynamic guards who brought tremendous hope to young franchises. Getting dimes from a penny was a thing in the 90s, and boy, did it change the magic. They're games like poetry in motion. The Clippers probably wish they kept this player. Entertaining their small market teams with big time plays. Watching these two play, you're bound to see something special. We are thrilled to present to you Shea Gilgis Alexander and Anthony Hardaway. I'm Uriah. I'm Maurice. I'm Lucas. And I'm Ben. And we're here to talk NBA now and then. Okay, so we're going to get into another great comparison. We have a young guard who is just taking the league by storm right now. Small market team, but it's all good, especially if you're from OKC. And we're comparing him to, man, a blast from the past. Probably one of the most popular players of his time. Teammates with Shaq. I think you guys knew who I'm talking about. But before we get into it, I just want to know from Ben, SGA and Penny. What what makes this comparison so special to you? They kind of just came out of nowhere and took the league by storm. SGA was first team All-NBA last year. And they're both kind of big point guards over 6-6 and control the game. They can score. They can dish. I'm looking forward to this comparison because it's bringing me back to just like junior high, yeah. the Penny commercial with Chris Rock. So I'm just kind of looking forward to this one. Absolutely. Maurice? Yeah, two guards who uh, not only are very marketable, but uh, very likable. Two players that you kind of want to root for. Yeah, this, this is, uh, is going to be fun. And Lucas? Look, I- I'll be honest. Penny Hardaway was a little bit before my time because t- I was like a kid when he started playing. But from what I've seen, they both capture crowd the way that they play and how they impact the game. And that's why I think the comparison really shines. Can't wait. Let's do it. First quarter. Background. First, we are going to talk about SGA. But before he got that nickname, he was born Shavante Asian Gilgis Alexander, July 12th, 1998, Toronto, Canada, to Charmaine Gilgis and Vaughn Alexander. A little bit about SGA's mom. Uh, She was an athlete. She was a track runner at Alabama. And she also ran in the 1992 Summer Olympics for Canada. Mm. I have a a quick trivia question since we're talking about different sports other than basketball. What other sport do you guys think SGA played growing up outside of basketball? Lucas, what what sport? I want to say baseball. I feel like he's a baseball type of guy. All right, Ben? He's Canadian, so I'm going to have to go hockey. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Okay. No stereotypes right there. Maurice, what do you think? Uh, We're talking about basketball players. We're talking about volleyball, 
or soccer. Uh, with SGA, I'm going to go eh, let me throw something out there. Tennis. Oh, oh man. You guys are really great. <laughs> Was it football? Actually, Maurice said it. Uh, he should have stuck with soccer. Oh. oh. Yeah, that's I mean, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah for yeah, a basketball player, yeah. Good yeah, footwork, good right? Work. Yeah. All right. His first few years of high school in Canada is where he attended Sir Alan McNabb Secondary School in Hamilton, Ontario. But then, check this out, he transferred schools and he moved to Tennessee where he played at a high school known as Hamilton Heights. At the time, he believed that the move would benefit his chances of achieving a pro basketball career. I have a quick clip from an NBA feature on him that'll give you an idea of his background a little bit more. Since I can remember, I grew up in Toronto, and when I was a little kid, I just always had a ball in my hand. And I've always loved it more than anything. I tried out for my high school JV team in ninth grade. And thought I was good. I thought I was going to make the team. I didn't end up making it. Um, I obviously was disappointed and upset. I think me not making the JV team was kind of like an eye-opener. I wasn't as good as basketball as I thought I was. And I just knew I wanted to get to a really high level. And I was willing to do whatever it took. All right, so that was SGA from his own words. A few numbers from his high school. His senior year at Hamilton Heights, SGA averaged 18 points a game, almost five assists, about four rebounds, two and a half steals, and basically a half a block. And he played 32 games that year. Now, we know he chose to play at the University of Kentucky over Syracuse, UNLV, Kansas, NC State, Florida, and Texas. Let's go to Lucas first. What stands out to you pre-college SGA? So, yeah, his family's full of athletes. Uh, he actually, not just his mom, but he has a cousin in the NBA. Do you guys know who that is? Nikhil Alexander-Walker. Yeah, it is Nikhil Alexander-Walker. That's nice. a good grab there. That's a little nice. nugget for you guys. But, uh, yeah, no, look, he, he, his family's full of gift, gifted athletes. I'm sure there's more that we don't know about. But just the fact that he has a mom who ran in the Olympics and a cousin who also made it to the NBA is pretty big news. Yeah, that's something that, you know, your mom ran the Olympics. That's that's pretty cool. But, uh I think we've we've heard this story a couple of times now. Actually, a lot when basketball players get cut from their from their JV or varsity teams and they come back better than ever, and that elevates their game to um, a college or professional NBA level. Um, so yeah, this is another story of a, a well, I guess you would say a redemption story, a comeback story of a player who's wasn't mm-hmm. valued like yeah. some of the other greats, and now look at him now. I guess I'm surprised he – I know it's Tennessee's uh, close to Kentucky, but I'm surprised he got – given the Canadian thing, he just must have looked really good. I'm surprised with those numbers he got recruited. He went to Kentucky, if I'm being honest. Yeah, I, I was impressed that he had the, I guess, mature perspective, even as a teenager, to say, if I if I go to the States, it'll help my chances of getting to the NBA, which is the ultimate level of professional basketball. And great that his parents recognized that, believed in his dream, and helped him achieve that. So 
I thought that was pretty cool. All right, let's get to his college days. SGA spent one season at Kentucky. He appeared in 37 games, averaging 14 points, four rebounds, five assists, one and a half steals, a little over one and a half steals, and almost 34 minutes. A contest to have two over-unders. Let's start with over-under field goal percentage. As a freshman, the number is 50%. Under. 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 You guys are on point. He shot 48.5% in his first year or his only year at Kentucky. The other over-under, let's do three-point percentage. Over-under, 39%. Over. Maurice. Over again. And Lucas. I'm going to zag and say under. Lucas, you're incorrect. Maurice and Ben, he shot 40.4% from three. Not bad. Hmm. So SGA led his team in assists that year. He had 189. He led Kentucky with 61 steals, as well as three-point percentage. He is one of only three freshmen in Kentucky history to record 61 or more steals. His college accolades include 2018 SEC Tournament MVP, All-SEC Freshman Team, and All-SEC Second Team. With the 11th pick in the 2018 NBA Draft, the Charlotte Hornets select Shea Gilgis-Alexander from Hamilton, Canada, and the University of Kentucky. Second Wildcat taken tonight as John Calipari continues to have his players make it to the draft. And Gilgis Alexander, as the season went on last year, emerged as the leader for Kentucky. And some believe that perhaps he was as good as Trey Young, Colin Sexton, the opportunity to have a big impact in the NBA. And now he joins a Charlotte team that made its 14th lottery pick in the last 15 seasons. What are they getting in Gilgis Alexander? What comes to mind, guys, when you reflect on Shea Gilgis Alexander at Kentucky? Maurice, what do you think about? Well, I'm going to be honest. I didn't watch much of that of that team that year. I'm going to be honest. But we knew that he, he had the talent to be an NBA. He was drafted mid-round, not top of the draft. But the talent was there. I mean, and, and he landed in a good spot. That didn't last long. But Can I talk a little bit more about the draft versus Kentucky? Because that draft trade was insane. They had Shea Gilgis Alexander. The Hornets had him. This is the second, like, probably outside of Kobe, the worst draft day trade that the Hornets have made. Mm. Preach. (laughs) Because, like, no, seriously, they had, and they traded him for Miles Bridges, who was good until he got into legal trouble, right? And a couple other picks, including the Heat's uh, pick this year. That be- Actually, no, that was a different trade. Never mind. But like they traded him for Miles Bridges, and it just felt like a downgrade. I'm just looking at that draft. That draft's pretty loaded. You've got some Defensive Player of the Year. So you have some future MVPs in Luka and possibly Shea, Jalen Brunson. So that draft is actually kind of uh, pretty loaded. Michael Bridges. You know what surprised me the most, U- Uriah, was... He- Shooting that high of a percentage on a arguably the best college basketball team, right? Forty eight and over forty percent. I'm surprised he slipped to eleven. Yeah, I know. But looking looking at the draft, you had Aiton at number one, and you had Luca, you had Trey, you had Colin Sexton, so it's, it, it, Michael Bridges. So it's actually a pretty loaded draft. Mm-hmm. So I get how he slid, but given those numbers, yeah, he probably should have been a top, I'd say, six player in the draft. 
Yeah, and I'll add one more thing because I'm the I'm the teammates guy. That Kentucky team was actually pretty good. They had Jared Vanderbilt, Hamadou Diallo, Nick Richards, Kevin Knox, PJ Washington, Wayman Gabriel. That was a pretty good Kentucky team. Yeah. Yeah, I think Ben, your point about the shooting percentages being at Kentucky, having that background and training under Kyle Pari, I think even though it was loaded, like you guys were saying, it, it look to trade him for bridges, like Lucas mentioned, it's I bet they wish they had that trade back. But let's move on. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Let's talk about Little Penny, actually not Little Penny. That's his caricature for uh, a brand campaign for Nike. Let's talk about Penny Hardaway. Before he got that nickname, he was born Anthony Dion Hardaway, July 18th, 1971, Memphis, Tennessee. He credits his grandmother for being a strong influence on his work ethic, going as far back as five years old. This is an interview I heard him say, talking about his grandmother. In his documentary about his life, he says basketball saved his life because of all the negative things going on around him while growing up in Memphis. Basketball-wise, Penny was a former prep standout at Treadwell High, where he averaged almost 37 points, 10 rebounds as a senior in 1990. That year, he was named Parade Magazine National High School Player of the Year. He ended up scoring over 3,000 points before graduating from Treadwell. Wow. Uh, Yeah. And I have a quick clip I want you to hear about his experience growing up in Memphis. I knew at 12 I had the gift to play really well and that I had an opportunity to make it to the NBA. I could put people in place and then maneuver with my eyes what I thought those players were doing while I was making my move. The cuts, what move I needed to make to get around this guy. For reading the defense, was he going to help or not help? And then when I went into play, it just came natural for me to see those same things. He got in the ninth grade. I was a senior in high school. You know, we used to work together and helped us win a lot of games. Senior, number 25, Anthony Hardaway. Man, you can spot him out of 100 people and know he was, he was going to be great. The way he moved around the court, the decisions he made, and realized this guy has something very special. When he left here and went to the University of Memphis, I knew it was just a matter of time. This is really where you'd like to see Hardaway get involved. Thank you. I chose Memphis because of the history of the school. Especially the 80s. The teams with Andre Turner, William Burford, Keith Lee. These are names of Memphis history. Those teams were electric. The pride that's in the city of Memphis, you know, was instilled in me. And I wanted to stay home and make to make a difference. All right, guys. What stands out to you based on Penny Hardaway's upbringing? We'll go with Maurice first. Well, you know, being, once again, uh, we talked about this before, being grounded, having that stability at home always helps. High school, yeah, scoring 30, 30, 30, 37, right? 37, yeah. Yeah, scoring 37 points per game, 10 rebounds. That's some. That's really good versatility. I don't know his height. I don't think you mentioned that, but just being a dominant high school player in an area where 
maybe there won't there isn't the best talent, um, I would say, but that translating to him going to college and doing what he went on to become, it's a good story. For me, Memphis is not always known as a safe area and definitely has had a history of racial tension and growing up in there in the seventies and eighties. I, I would suspect not be an easy time for him, and yet he still came out with strong character, which I th- I can uh, uh, commend. Yeah, uh, I guess staying in his local town is pretty cool. So I, I always love that story. You know, grew up there and then went to the local college. So yeah, you kind of like you kind of like that story. Yeah, loyalty to your roots and having his family in his corner, but also having the the maturity and foresight to say, I'm going to use my talents to help uplift my family out of this situation and in essentially a community because he was a big deal in Memphis for, for obvious reasons. So let's get to Penny's college days. So Penny, obviously, as you heard, he attended Memphis University where he starred for the Tigers in the early 90s. He chose Memphis, as you heard, for the history of the school his college averages in his final year ended up being 22.8 points a game, mm. eight and a half rebounds, six and a half assists, and about two and a half steals. This is back in 1992-93. Mm. Now, some of his accomplishments, man, peep this. He played uh, two seasons at then Memphis State. He was a two-time All-American, two-time Great Midwest Conference MVP, two-time Great Midwest Conference All-Tournament team. He was the 1992 NCAA Tournament All-Midwest Regional Team. Uh, He made it to the Elite Eight in 92 and the first round in 93. He scored over 1,300 points in just two seasons at Memphis. He had 17 career double-doubles. He is the only player in program history with two triple-doubles, and his number 25 jersey was retired on January 23, 1994. After his junior year, Anthony Hardaway declared for the NBA draft. With the third pick in the 1993 NBA draft, the Golden State Warriors select Anthony Hardaway from Memphis State University. Ben, what do you think about the college career of Penny Hardaway? I didn't realize he made the Elite Eight. That was kind of surprising. And yeah, the numbers are really good for college. That I think that stands out. Memphis wasn't in the best conference back then. So I think making the Elite Eight, 22 points. And then he the fact that he was drafted so high, he was drafted third. Back then, I think that's kind of a big deal. So obviously, like people saw something pretty special. Yeah. Maurice? Well, interesting that both players were draft day trades. Yeah, I was going to bring that up. <laughs> yeah, that's that. a good good grab. I didn't even notice yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. Then uh, Penny went on to you know play with. She traded to play with Shaq. It was a great one-two punch right there. Mm-hmm. And Lucas, Dude, just to go back, he was traded for Chris Webber, who was originally drafted by the Magic. That that's not who the only thing that they sent for uh, for Webber. Besides Penny, they sent a 1996 pick that became Vince Carter, who we've already covered on the podcast. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's a better grab. 
Well, Carter was in the 98 draft. Uh, what, hang on. Who was? Hang on. Let me sh- make, make sure I get my years right because I'm looking at this. You're right. My bad. 96 was Todd Fuller. 98 was Vince Carter. And 2000, Mike Miller. Well, so he traded three picks for plus Penny for Chris Webber. Wow. Oh, that's right. Because Vince Carter was drafted by the Warriors. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. Yeah. No, 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 no. Oh, yeah, the pick was originally the Warriors, but yeah. No, the Warriors traded Penny with those picks that became. So those picks went in the trade uh, with Penny. Yeah, to Orlando. And those three picks, one of them ended up being Vince Carter? Yes. What? Wow, that's interesting. Unless NBA reference has this written wrong. Okay. My understanding is that's it. Wow, that's a good grab. So my take is like the whole idea of Penny leading that Memphis squad to the Elite Eight, which I completely forgot about. He was always thin-framed, but just crazy agile, athletic, great court vision, even at the college level. But the one thing that stood out to me that was not mentioned, and I I watched the documentary on this, is Shaquille O'Neal was so ticked off that Orlando chose Chris Webber over Penny, Mm -hmm. that Shaq was throwing things in his house. Shaq was on camera saying that when they were filming Blue Chips, he didn't even know who Penny Hardaway was. And he was like, who's that kid? Because he was throwing the perfect passes in, in the movie. And once he found out, he actually talked to, I think, Magic Ownership. And he said, look, we need to get this guy. And he literally said that he envisioned him and Penny being a young Magic Johnson and a young Kareem Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. So, man, like Shaq saw it. He's like, he has to be a teammate of mine. And it actually happened. It just didn't last very long. (laughs) So, Blue Chips uh, is a good movie, too. No, I've never actually seen it. Yeah, it's been a while since I've seen that. Second quarter. Statistics. I'm going Lillard. All right, two on one. Final possession, possibly. Shea with a little exclamation point here to end the third quarter. And what has been another big-time third quarter, 38 points. Check that, 40 points. Shea got it off in time. It's good if it goes. Up 22 at halftime. You look at the score right now, folks. Thunder right now playing with a whole lot of house money as we move to the fourth quarter. The turnover. He's just new. All right, I'm, I'm, it's my time. So uh, those were just some highlights of Shea Gilgis Alexander, but let's get into the numbers. So Shea is listed at 6'6", 180 pounds. He's worn the number two at both stops with the Clippers and with now currently the Thunder. His best season so far came last year when he made his first All-Star game. Get this, guys. He was one of a handful of players that averaged over 30 points per game. 31.5 points, 5 rebounds, 5.5 assists. One and a half steals, one block, and 2.8 turnovers while shooting 51% from the floor for a guard, 34.5% from the three point line, and 90.5% from the free throw line. Now, here's a fun over under number for you guys. Last season, over under 11 free throw attempts a game. Over. Over. I'll go over. Y'all wrong wrong by 0.1. He averaged uh, (laughs) 10.9. 
Of course. Point one. one. Come on. <laughs> Wait, I've done that before too. So I, yeah, I, I'm guilty. You can't even get mad at me yeah. for it. But no, you look, not only was he one of the best scorers, he was also one of the best at getting to the foul line. It's it's impressive. But let's go to the career highs. He hasn't played that many games, but his career highs are still impressive. 44 points as a career high in points. Over under 21 rebounds for career high. I go under. Over. Under. Maurice, you're wrong. It was 20 as a career high. Oh. Still, <laughs> four guards, 6'6", six, six, 20 rebounds. Pretty darn that's, good. That's still pretty good, yeah. Yeah. 14 assists, five steals, four blocks, eight turnovers. That's that's not bad. And like I said, when it comes to... Uh, okay, so last season, he was fourth in assists among all active players. He was 15th in blocks as a guard. Blocks per game. And then steals, he was also fourth. And like I said, free throw attempts, he was uh, ninth overall in the NBA. Free throw attempts, ninth overall. So that's, that's like I said, it's, it's mind-boggling how impressive he was. So now that I've shared some of those stats with you, what do you guys think? I'm going to start with Ben first. Last season, he didn't really have that much offensive help. So primary ball handler... Uh, distributor and get probably getting double teamed a lot as a guard to put up mm-hmm. 51% and averaging over 31 points. That's like, that's impressive. So that's only going to get better with Chet Holmgren. I'm surprised the, um, it's probably a volume thing, probably like a lot of like last end of shot clock threes, but I know they play a lot of close games. I am surprised the uh, three point shooting is so low. Well, for his career, he's only 34.8% from the three-point line. He's only had one season when he's had a uh, – no, two seasons where he shot above 35%. So he's just not that good of a three-point shooter. That's why I guess the under on his three-point percentage when Uriah asked for that. He's had two seasons where he shot over 50% last year and then in the 2020-2021 season. He can he can yeah. score around the basket. His two-point percentage has always been above 50 for guard. Two point percentage for yeah. guard above fifty that is pretty, pretty fantastic. Yeah. Okay, Maurice, what do you think? Yeah, his three point percentage is still low. It's still something he need to work on. But like you mentioned earlier, twenty rebounds. That twenty rebounds is his career high. His assist is always there. You know, now they have Chet Holmgren, Holmgren there. Um, Josh Giddy is also a very versatile player who does a lot of the playmaking or or just passing on that team. He's very versatile, and something that threw me off a little bit was you said he was 6'6". He doesn't yeah. seem 6'6". No, doesn't if anything, yeah, I think he seems taller, To in my opinion. I feel no, like he I seems think he's shorter. Short. He shorter. Yeah. yeah I no, I see, I've seen – he played with Chris Paul, not to steal some of your thunder there, but he's played with Chris Paul. Chris Paul is tiny. He's big. He's a big guy. Yeah. I like the punny, okay. too. Thunder. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, I totally meant to do that. <laughs> wink, wink. Of course. Yes. My take on his numbers really is, I just see it as such an impressive aspect of his growth to be so young. And you look at Charlotte, you look at the Clippers, and they're kicking themselves right now because he's a 30-point scorer. And as Ben said, highly efficient. I I just can't say enough about this kid. And we don't even really get to see him that often because the Thunder are rarely on national TV. So the only way you can really absorb any of his 
his highlights are on YouTube. So I'm just impressed that he's such a great scorer this early in his career. And because of the team that has been constructed around him, man, they're going to be fun to watch. I, I would get mm-hmm. a league pass just to watch that team play along look, with other young teams. Look, that, that's exactly what I've been doing. Yeah. yeah. Look, yeah. I, I will say this. First off, I think that Thunder's national TV schedule is about to increase significantly. Oh, yeah. Second, Secondly, I don't know if Shea becomes as good of a point guard as he is if he does not get traded to the Thunder and play with CP3. That's possible. So yeah, that's, that's possible. That's possible. Yeah. I'm just saying, I'm not saying that he would be bad. Right. But learning under CP3 definitely does something for you. Yeah. Absolutely. Hall of Famer. Absolutely. The best. Yeah. And and his game, it it being his own team for a couple of years, I think his game did did develop. And and honestly, they hit on so many draft picks Mm -hmm. with uh, Josh Gideon and uh, is it Jalen Williams? He's stealing all of Maurice's Thunder, Ben. Gosh. Yeah. 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 One of the two Jalen Williams. But yeah. No, no, no. That's cool. Uh, last thing before we transition to Penny, uh, I just want to say to your point about all the playing time that he had because Holmgren was delayed a year for that injury is the clutchness. Mm-hmm. The kid is not afraid of the bright lights, the last second shot. That's going to pay dividends for them in future playoff series. didn't turn around. Hardaway, oh, beautiful dish and Grant with the jam. The elevation now, Michaels had two shots blocked tonight. He chalked some of that up to the defense of uh, Orlando. Hardaway with the jam in the face of Gatley. Hardaway liked that one. He's got 12. Nick Anderson, another three. Hardaway for Grant. This is just someone out thinking everyone else, knowing where everybody is. So, those were just some highlights of Penny Hardaway. Let's get into the numbers. So Penny is listed at 6'7", 195 pounds, which honestly I'm kind of surprised that he weighs more than Shea, but okay. So he's worn number one for all of his stops except for one team. Can anybody tell me the one team he did not wear the number one for? Phoenix. Maurice? It's either Phoenix or New York. I'll go New York. Ben? Phoenix. All of us? Miami. Oh, geez. Oh, wow. That was the last team to play for, yeah. Yeah, Miami. You wore number seven for Miami back in 2008. Mm. Yeah, fun facts, right? Good grab. So, anyway, let's get into the numbers now. And more importantly, the stats. So, he had a couple all-star seasons. I'm not going to say how many, not to steal Ben's thunder. But, I will say his second season, I'm going to put at his best season, even though it wasn't technically... The best in terms of points per game. He averaged his career high in assists and arguably outside of maybe uh, the 2000 uh, second best three-point shooting season. So that being said, he averaged 20.9 points per game, four and a half rebounds, seven assists, almost two steals, half a block. He shot 51% from the field. 35% from the three-point line, and 77% from the foul line. For Anthony Hardaway, over under 45 points as a career high. 
Hey, I never thought of Penny as like a high volume score, so I'm gonna say under. I'll say under too. Over. Ben, you're wrong. Uriah Maurice, you're right at 42 is his career high. That happened mm-hmm. in his third season. He also had a career high 13 rebounds, including eight offensive rebounds one time. Okay. Mm-hmm. He also had 19 assists as a career high. Wow. Seven steals. Four blocks, nine turnovers. His best statistical year, was that his, you said that was third season? Uh, second season. The year okay. that they went to the NBA Finals. Okay. That makes yes. sense. So that was 94-95? That was the 94-95 season. Yep. Right. Okay. Second season in the league. I'll start with Uriah this time. Uriah, what do you think yes. about all the stats? Yes. I get to go first. So the 19 assists, career high. Impressive. Uh, I think Penny was such a gifted passer, a uh, great distributor, and just, I don't know, just a brilliant floor general. Even if you listen to the, the highlights earlier, you had Bill Walton, who had been around basketball for decades at that point, got into the booth and started being a color analyst. He even said, he's like, Penny just knows where everybody is on the court. And for Penny to say that, in his own words, reflecting when he was a child, like he was like Neo in the Matrix before he even got to the NBA. And those assist numbers, even though the seven assists per game was a little bit lower than I expected during his best season, he said he averaged seven that year. Yeah. And to know that he had Shaq on the team and all the other great talented players. But I just think that the assists and the versatility of Penny is just remarkable. Well, I mean, for his career, he averaged uh, 15 points, four and a half rebounds, and five assists. So it's not like he had gaudy numbers overall in his career, guys. Yeah, to Uriah's point, when you talk about Penny and his floor, being a floor general, Penny was always compared to his younger, to Magic Johnson, because of his floor vision and how he can pass guys open, you know, like a football term. But on the floor, he can pass the ball, a bounce pass, or you know, a quick chest pass and get a guy open for a quick shot or mm-hmm. at the rim. To go back to your, your numbers, Lucas, yeah, Penny played a lot of years after his prime where he statistically he wasn't that efficient. You know, talk about the Knicks, Magic, mm-hmm. all those teams, Phoenix. went. So the numbers are going to drop a little bit, but his prime years tells the tale of what he was statistically. He had Shaq on his team, who led the league in scoring one year. So I think he just deferred to him. And so his efficiency was still up. Much like SGA, he was shooting over 50% from the field. But yeah, if you watch him play, it, it wasn't really the numbers. It was kind of his impact. And then the de- the defensive numbers, I always forget that he was such a good defender. I think he led the league in steals one year. I'm not sure. But his playoff numbers, he really, um, his game improved a lot in the playoffs. I do remember that. I think I remember he averaged over 30 points uh, a game in a series. So When he was healthy in his prime was arguably, based off the stats, one of the better point guards in the league. But health, um, sometimes it, it plays a cruel hand. And with uh, Penny Hardaway, it feels like it, at least the stats tell that it did. Yeah, agreed. Third quarter, accolades. 
What I liked most about the experience was just having my friends and family there to kind of soak up and enjoy the weekend with me. A lot of those people have been there from the beginning, kind of the start of my journey, and have seen my transformation as a basketball player and as a person. All right, that was SGA. I'm not sure what that clip is from. Maybe NBA All-Star? Yeah, that was him talking about being an All-Star. So SGA uh, recently just turned 25. So all of his accolades have happened by the age of 24. So Still very young. uh, Yeah, still very young. He just turned 25 this offseason. So there's not much to go off of. But how many NBA, all NBA teams does SGA have? I'll go with you, Lucas. One. one. All right. Uriah? I'll say one. Maurice? Uh, yeah, I, th- I think the answer is one, but I'll be different yeah. and say two. The answer is one, but it is an all NBA first team selection this mm. past year. Oh, he was first team? Yes, His he was. First team. Wow. I didn't yeah. forget. Yeah. Very, very. Um, That's impressive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, getting first team is very hard, especially as a guard. Very Ooh, hard to do. At twenty four, <laughs> wow. Yeah, yeah. especially yeah. especially yeah. the guard. Yeah, no, I mean Steph Curry is still there. So, who um, was the other guard? Was it Luca or was it Luca? It's Luca. Yeah. Okay. Luca. That makes sense. I think it, I think it was Luca, Tatum, and B. Giannis, and yeah, SGA. Yeah. Uh, how many NBA All Stars does he have? I'll go with you, Uriah. Two. Lucas? One. Maurice? Two. two. Lucas, you are the winner. Also, one NBA. He probably should have two. I think he that's probably why he should, does. but injuries plus the Thunder stinking doesn't help. Yeah. Yeah. He probably should have two, but um, he has one. And his last NBA accolade is he was the NBA All Rookie second team selection in 2019 versus the Clippers. Uh, in that season, he kind of showed his potential in the playoffs. But what is most impressive and kind of uh, of his, and I guess the first team is probably the most impressive, but we all watched in the offseason Team Canada, even playing without um, Jamal Murray and Andrew Wiggins. They got the bronze in the FIBA World Cup this year. And SGA was probably the best player in the World Cup this past summer. And he's looking good already this season. But yeah, I would say Team Canada led by SGA, they could sneak in and, and get the, I want to say gold, but they're pretty good. That's about it. What do you guys think of those accolades? There's not much, but again, the guy just turned 25. Lucas, you're up. That he did not win most improved player last year. Yeah, yeah. He, he mm. went from, the season before last year, he went scoring 24.5 points per game to 31.5. Going from a non-all-star to an all-star, you know, not even not just all-star, but all-NBA player, not getting most improved, it seems like a travesty. Now, I don't remember who exactly got it. I don't know if you guys do, but it it, sh- it should have been his. Was it quickly? Was it no? Quickly, quickly was uh, up for sixth man, but he didn't get it. It Malcolm was uh, Lori Marketing. Mm, okay, that's okay. understandable, but still, mm. Shea had just as big of a jump, arguably. Yes, it's debatable. Maurice, what do you think? What stands out? Mm. Well, what stands out to me, I agree, most improved. 
I, I think he should have won over Larry Marketing. And he should have had at least two all-star appearances. And I think those accolades will start to come in once the Thunder become a little bit more successful uh, going forward. We're going to talk about it with teammates, but I do. I think we all believe that Thunder are going to be more competitive in the Western Conference with the players that they have now. I agree, Maurice. Uh, Uriah, what do you what do you think? What stands out? What stands out to me is the All NBA First Team. I'm still stuck on the idea of this 24 year old player who played one year at Kentucky and you know playing for a subpar team small market team, but still getting the respect of the NBA officials, players. In the audio clip that I played earlier, you heard a little bit of chatter going on. Well, it was SGA having banter with Kevin Durant. Like Durant was getting in an elevator or something at the hotel in Utah. And you just see these players showing respect to this young buck coming up. And they're knowing that the NBA is in good shape with players like SGA carrying the torch and just taking the NBA or keeping it at a level that makes it the best league in the world. Even though Olympic, you know, the Olympic competition is better internationally, the NBA is top notch and SGA is going to be one of the faces of the league one day. Please join the organization in thanking Penny. for his outstanding contributions to the Orlando Magic organization. Thanks for the memories, Penny! Penny Hardaway, the fifth member enshrined into the Magic Hall of Fame. Here is Penny Hardaway on today's induction. It's just an honor to be in the Hall of Fame. I'll be able to bring my kids here to be able to see that. Uh, It just shows to the work that I did ever since I was young. Wanted to live a dream to be in the NBA. Didn't know it was going to be this great. God blessed me with a great talent, and I just tried to showcase it, but I'm so humble today. Tremendous honor. Great to have Penny back in Central Florida. All right, that was Penny Hardaway being uh, enshrined in the Orlando Magic Hall of Fame. So Penny, as we've stated before, had a short but like impactful, I would say, five or six years. Yeah, he probably would have gotten more. He is he's one of those players from the '90s that um, uh, probably I I don't remember, but he probably would have gotten that '99 All Star. There wasn't a 1999 All Star game. So with that said, how many All Stars do you think Penny Hardaway got? Given you guys know that he was injured most of his career, but Maurice, let's start with you. I'm going to say four. Hmm. Uriah, I'll say four. All right, and Lucas. Four. You are all correct. He had four straight. Yeah. From 1995 to 1998 NBA All-Star. Possibly could have gotten a fifth. Actually, I think he might have been hurt that year. No, I think they were the three seed. I remember. All right, and uh, how many All-NBA teams did he make total? This is a total number. I'm going to start with you, Lucas. I'm going to say two. I concur. I say two. Three. Maurice, you are the winner. Really? Yeah, he's a three-time All-NBA player. But most impressive, two-time All-NBA first team. So Mm. just like we said with SGA, 
two time and you're, you're talking Jordan did play one and a half of these seasons. Just letting you guys know. Okay. This is 1995 and 96. So in 96, he was all NBA first team alongside Michael Jordan. Wow. That says a lot. The other guard. You're talking about Gary Payton, who I believe was John Stockton. I mean, you're talking about, some good guards back then. He was the second best Absolutely. guard of that yeah. Sure. yeah. 1996. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. uh, in 97, he was All-NBA third team. Right. His other accolade, NBA All-NBA. He, he did not win Rookie of the Year. I believe that went to Chris Webber. Uh, NBA All-Rookie first team in 94. So he was good right away. His second year, he was an All-Star. His second year, he was All-NBA first team. Second mm-hmm. year. All right, guys, I'm going to jump right in. What, what? I mean, so much stands out, but what stands out to you, Uriah? The all-star appearances to be so young, just like SGA we've been talking about, and the all-NBA team to know that he was so good at such a young age. And you mentioned it yourself, someone who had a huge impact in a short period of time. And I'll just focus on the all-star game real quick. I remember him playing in the all-star game and being excited because at the time I was in high school, I think that was the first NBA jersey that I ever had. The number one, the black magic jersey. It was, I was so proud to wear that at the school after the All-Star game. And one thing I forgot to mention about SGA in his All-Star appearance is uh, when I played that clip, he gave such a like a generic answer, like saying, like, I was just so happy to have my family there. It, it reminded me of when after there was a game that I was covering for the Delaware Bluecoats and Mac McClung, it was less than a week after he won the slam dunk championship. And I'm sitting in this press area and we're going around asking him questions. And I'm like, I got to ask Mac McClung a really good question. So I asked him, I said, uh, what stood out to you other than winning the dunk championship? And he gave an SGA response. Oh, just really great to have my family there. And I was like, oh man, I wanted to know like what it was like hanging with LeBron and KD and all of them. But anyway, point is, is SGA, Penny Hardaway, young, talented guards who made huge impacts at an early point of their careers. Good guard. Yeah. I mean, all NBA first team, you can't really, not many people have that. And then one other accolade I forgot, he is a gold medal winner, the 1996 uh, oh. Atlanta games. Yeah, he was part of that 96 team, uh, which they didn't they call that the dream team too? Or not something? I don't know. I forget what it was called. It was the yeah. team. I don't know what it was called. Well, they, the 92 is the dream team. So I mean, 96, Jason, he, he's, he is a gold medal winner. You okay. mentioned some players. Uh, Jason Kidd was also in the NBA at the time, and he was mm-hmm. maybe three years in. And Jason Kidd was a really good guard. So for Penny yeah. to, to leap over him says a lot. Yeah. I, I yeah. do I do want to say in terms of I think that you could the, the biggest difference between these guys is that when it comes down to how quickly they their games maturated, Penny came into the league ready. Granted he did play four years of college. Right? Three years? How many years no, of college? He played I think he played three. Okay, three years ago. Yeah. So yeah, Penny played three years of college versus Shea, who played one. And Shea got his first all-star nod in his fourth season. Penny got it in his second. And it just took, it didn't take Penny as long to dominate. But, you know, 
I, I and, and I think that's the biggest difference there is just how quickly you don't usually see guards coming in and getting all star nods in their second season. No, no. And I, I would say that um, SGA did one year of college. Penny did three. So mm-hmm. the age is the age actually lines up fairly uh, similar. But first of all, we'll go back to what you already said. Them black Orlando Magic jerseys were fire. They were oh good. yeah, yeah, they were good. Um, Always like when they go with the black alternative jerseys. They have. I like their jerseys in general. I like yeah. Orlando jerseys. They're nice right. jerseys. Yeah, yeah. Him being the second best guard of that era of 94, 95, 96 with a Michael Jordan. That says a lot. That tells me a lot right there. Yeah. And you're right. I mentioned Jason Kidd and Mitch Richmond, Gary Payton and Reggie Miller at that time. Yeah. 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 John Stockton, man. John I mean, the Stockton fact that, too. Yeah, yeah. They were making the finals. Oh yeah. Fourth quarter teammates. It's been really cool playing with Shea because one of the biggest things from the younger generation as they come through the NBA, you can't tell what hand they are, like if they're right-handed or left-handed. Like the way Shea uses his offhand is crazy, you know what I mean? So uh, it's a lot of plays, like we'll be in a timeout, and I'll be like, look, Shea, when I used to go by people, this is the play that I would run. So now we're going to run it for you. You know what I mean? So his ability to get to the rim and his ability to draw fouls and all that is it's been cool to see. Let's talk about Shea Gilgis Alexander, and let's talk about his teammates. Quick, quick question: Was that Chris Paul at the beginning of that video? Okay, I thought so. Yeah, yeah. And first of all, we play those clips of Shea. I didn't realize his voice was that deep. Yeah, yeah. I thought the same thing. <laughs> I thought the same thing. So um, Shea Gilgis Alexander, SGA, was drafted with eleven pick by the Charlotte Hornets. Didn't play a game with the Charlotte Hornets. That sounds familiar, Kobe. Then he was drafted to the Clippers. A lot of people, I think time has passed, and he's made such an impact with the Thunder. A lot of people forget that he played with the Clippers because it's been so long. So let's talk about his teammates real quick. He was traded for a superstar in Kawhi, Kawhi Leonard. Actually, he traded for Paul George, but Kawhi came. Well, before. really both. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They came, kind of came at the same time, if you remember that. It happened all the same night. But um, anyway, what Clippers? Go ahead, Lucas. Excuse me. What team did they push in the playoffs? Was it that that last year Durant team that they pushed to seven games in that playoff series? You mean Durant with the with the Warriors? Warriors? Yeah, it was six. Yeah, and but they like tied it up. I, I remember that team. It was Blue close Williams. games. Yeah, yeah, and and it was I think they tied it. The series was two two. I think that was it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So. Patrick Beverly, a good player, a good veteran player to start your career out looking on uh, having been under, give him some information, some knowledge about the game. Lou Williams, another one. Tobias Harris is on that team, 2018-2019 Clippers. Mike Scott, Avery Bradley, Jermichael Green, a lot of veteran players here. Uh, Bo Bottoms on that team. Uh, Wilson Chandler, Luke Maabute was on that team. So, um, and Gallinari. So he had a lot of veteran players, and that was a that was a nice little roster. I mean, they weren't yeah. going to really compete for a championship, but um, that Clippers team was actually really good. And I'm gonna throw it to you guys real quick. What do you think the outlook of SGA's career would have been if he'd have stayed with the Clippers? 
I'm going to start with you, Ryan. Man, that's a good question. I think that had he stayed with Los Angeles, he would definitely get more attention and get more marketing opportunities just because of him being in LA compared to a small market like OKC. As far as the players around him, man, I think they, I honestly think you could have, they could have built around him because his talent was always there. He just needed minutes. And with the teammates that he had with him, he could have been a number one or a number two option. So I can't speak to the type of success they would have because coaching is, is, a, is a big component of that in culture. But I think the talent, I think they could have made a nice run, maybe like early postseason run, but maybe just not enough to get to the next level. Look, it's there's two roads to that question. The road that Kawhi Leonard comes regardless, and then the road that he doesn't come when I think about what it would have been like if he stayed there. If Kawhi would have came, I think, you know, they he would have deferred to Kawhi more, maybe not reached the stardom that he came to. And mm-hmm. if he, Kawhi didn't come, you know, Doc Rivers is still probably the head coach there, and who knows what type of player he would have. Because Doc Doc's hard on point guards, and I don't know if he That's would have developed the same – same way as he did on with Chris Paul as a mentor versus having Pat Bev and Doc Rivers. So, you know, part of me says that either way, I don't think he becomes the player that he is as good of a player as he is currently. Not saying that he could reach there eventually, but I think it's a much slower path. I like what everyone said so far. I think um, right away his rookie year, he played well in the playoffs. So you could have built around him and... I think it would have been the same outcome as OKC. I think you would have built around him, had your picks, you know, drafted higher draft picks probably for a few years. And then I don't think there would have been much difference, to be honest. I mean, unless you were to get Kawhi Leonard, but I don't think Kawhi Leonard would have left a champion. Kawhi Leonard left a championship Toronto team, finals MVP, to go play with Paul George in LA. So I don't think Kawhi goes there. Um, but I, I think SGA's talent, it's all NBA first team. It's up there with Luka Doncic. It, it doesn't matter. You build the team around him and he develops. So I think, yeah, wherever you, wherever he goes, he's going to be good. Right. Like, I think that's just like what yeah. it is. So, yeah. 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 And then move on a little bit, you know, and I just mentioned he was traded for Paul George. So he went to the Thunder, his teammates there. And you heard in the clip, Chris Paul, Another veteran that we all agree learned something from him, future Hall of Famer. Steven Adams was a teammate of SGA. Uh, Lou Dort, who's a current teammate. Josh Giddy. we're talking about the, the more recent players now. Uh, Jalen Williams, two Jalen Williamses. Josh Giddy, and the rookie right now, Chet Holmgren. So, I asked this question with the y'all, the younger players, uh, because they have a lot of potential. They have a lot of nice young talent. They have four players right now that you can easily say could have all star potential. Um, and I'm a fan of Jim Williams, so I say that. So uh, with him, Gideon, and um, Holmgren. So I'm gonna go around. I'm gonna ask start with Lucas. What What is your opinion? What's your outlook for the OKC Thunder this season? And going forward, 
after this season when it comes to their potential in contending for a championship or at least getting to a, a conference final? I think that without making any type of trades and they just go in the current path, they could make a conference finals. I think they need to get make one trade to slightly consolidate their assets and to get a star player to go along with these other guys. Yeah. My guess, Josh Giddy would be the odd man that gets traded. Really? I like Josh let, Giddy. Explain, or, let me, let, let me, okay. let me explain why though. Let me, <laughs> not to get too off path here. They already have other playmakers besides him. He's not a great shooter. And another franchise, I if I if I'm the Thunder, I feel like he's the most expendable cuz you have your playmaker in SGA, you have your wing scorer and Jalen Williams, you have your big man and Chet Holgram. You have a th- trio already. You don't need another playmaker that can't shoot. So that's that's just my thought. Yeah, I like their construction cuz they have a combination of size and they've lucked out in drafts. Some of these picks are later draft picks. They're not all... Chet Holmgren's obviously a second pick. But uh, Lou Dort, Jalen Williams, I think Josh Giddy was like a seventh or eighth pick. Eighth. So, eighth, yeah. So, they kind of just hit in the draft. I think because Josh Giddy, the way they play OKC, I like their offense. They're very interchangeable. They're very like modern NBA. Mm-hmm. And I think with Chet, it finally fits really well together. So, I like... It, it finally feel like it feels like all the pieces are there, and they're very um, they can switch a lot. I, I get what Lucas is saying, like of if you were to go like talent wise, because Lou Dort is such an elite defender, you you kind of need him in the playoffs. Yeah, that's that's a good take, Lucas. Actually, because you would get a lot back for Josh Giddy, but I would just run it with this team because they the vibes are really high in OKC too. Like I'm jealous, everyone, the coach. They're a thousand and one first round draft picks, so yeah. They have a bright future. And all the young pieces that you guys are mentioning are gonna contribute to their success. But I think the driving force is SGA. I think he's the leader of that team for obvious reasons. First team all NBA. I don't care how productive Chet Holmgren is this year or uh Josh Giddy, Mr. Triple Double, because he's so uh, diverse with his skill set. SGA is that dude. He's the guy that's going to take the last shot in the game, at least from what we've seen. So I think the outlook is bright. I'm a little jealous of them because um, they have a, a player that I used to write about. I did a feature on for the Sixer Sense, uh, Isaiah Joe. Uh, I love I love that kid. And, and I'm I'm happy for him to be amongst guys his age and and mm-hmm. all those guys are playing freely up pace. So I think that young talent, they have the right pieces. And like Ben was saying, if they have the right coaching and they, they get the right system, they can make some serious noise. One other thing, Maurice, I, I kind of tail-ended it with the picks, but I think if they make some noise, let's say they make like a second round this year, right? Like they're four or five mm-hmm. seed or something. They upset someone. If they make some noise with all those picks, they might get a free agent to go there. And then all of a sudden yeah. next season they're like a legit contender. That like, would be they interesting. get they get us they've got the picks, so yeah. I had no idea who he was until the summer before he got drafted. So we get over to the gym. 
I'm trying to like really, really focus on playing and, and stay in shape. And this guy was just making the most beautiful passes ever. And finally, after the third day, I asked, I said, who is this guy? And I said, that's Benny Hardaway. He went, he went to Memphis. He's projected to go number three. And then a couple weeks later, I found out Orlando gets the ball. The first pick in the 1993 NBA draft goes to the Orlando Magic. This is in the category of go figure. One ball out of 66, and they get the number one pick. Call uh, general manager of Orlando Magic, John Gabriel. I said, listen, there's a guy. His name is Penny Hardaway. I'm thinking young Magic Johnson, young Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. You got to get this guy, Penny Hardaway. And he gave me the, oh, I don't know, boom, 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 boom. And then finally I said, hey, you don't get me what I want. When my deal is up, I'm going to be looking to do other stuff. Yeah, that was Shaq. He's foreseeing his future right there. <laughs> that was Penny Hardaway. But probably his best teammate. Not even probably. It was his best teammate. Um, actually, before I even go any further, who won the most games with Penny Hardaway? Because it wasn't Shaq. I'll give you that clue. Uriah? I am going to go with Jason Kidd. Ben? No. Well, can I change it? No. It. I'll go with Jason Kidd. No, wait. I really don't know. I Is it somewhere, is it someone from the Magic? I can't give you that. That's, that's too right, easy. Fine. All right. I'll All just right. stick with Jason. Ben, go ahead, ben. <laughs> Nick Anderson. I'll also say Nick Anderson. You both are right. You're right. It was yeah. Wrong. It's I Nick Anderson. Know. I was two, overthinking. I was overthinking yeah. it. 252 wins. Penny Hardaway, Nick Anderson. Anyway, let's talk about the team that drafted Penny Hardaway, number one, uh, the Orlando Magic. This team was actually really good. Um, matter of fact, let me just go through the players. Nick Anderson talked about Dennis Scott. Uh, what do they call him? 3D on NBA TV. Horace Grant, Brian Shaw, Scott Skiles, Gerald Wilkins, Ronnie Cycli, uh, BJ Armstrong. Dominique played a season there as well. That was in 98, 99. Um, Derek Harper and, you know, Shaquille O'Neal. Um, I'm just going to ask you guys because this was a talented team, and as we know, they beat the Michael Jordan Bulls. Now, it was an actress there. Jordan came back from retirement. He wasn't in the best shape. But he can always say he's one of the few that actually beat a Michael Jordan Chicago Bulls team in the playoffs, eliminated them. What is your guys' outlook on the Orlando Magic if they would have kept Shaq? At least one to two titles, maybe. But it wouldn't have, like I said, like I said, injuries kind of stopped. But I think at least one to two titles, maybe. Yeah, I think what Lucas said, I wonder if Shaq left. Looking back, like, the East was so much stronger. Well, Because you had the Knicks. You had the Knicks. I wonder, like, a little bit if Shaq was like, oh, I'm going to, I, I, I need to get away from this Jordan team. Well, no, um, um, for context, I can think, I, I think I can explain that. Based off reports, allegedly, there was some contention between Shaq and Penny. Shaq was getting endorsements. Penny was getting even more endorsements than Shaq was. You know, the little Penny and all that. He had his own shoe deal as well. And allegedly, there was a rift between the two of them. Also, there was a, a case of Orlando not paying Shaq what he was worth. I think the Lakers eventually paid him more. But there was a little contention there. And... I agree with Lucas before your eyes speaks. I agree with Lucas. If 
if there was Shaq and Penny, there would have been no Shaq and Kobe. So I think they would have won a championship. Now, health aside, you know, take that out of the equation, but I do believe if they would have stayed together for the long term, they they would have won the championship. Right, go ahead. No, Ben, were you done? No, I was going to say, it, and, okay, it, and it took Kobe and Shaq like four years to to figure that out, three or four mm-hmm. years. Obviously, Kobe was 18 his rookie year. But yeah, I think it would have worked out. Uh, the West was just not as strong back then uh, in the mid-90s. So I think, I don't think it was just that. Obviously, it was LA. It was the Lakers. You know, Shaq was doing a lot of movies back then. But yeah, Penny was kind of more like I'll be. I was thinking back on like I remember he was in like the wasn't he in the Black Street video? Wasn't well, he? I, well, I, yeah, I, Little Penny. Little, little, little Penny, Penny was in that. Yeah, I mean yeah. he was everywhere. That commercial was everywhere. There. And also like people no don't know, the the hard <laughs> the hard and all he was all over these commercials with Chris Rock, Little Penny, and then the, his shoes were re- Penny Hardaway's shoes I were. They were nice. too. They were nice. Yeah. I think they were number two behind Jordan for Nike. I think, I think Lucas. Were, I think Lucas had the the Shaq shoes though. He was the only kid uh, in the school that had Shaq shoes. Hey <laughs> now, hey now. The, the, the swirl, okay, the but there's a diff, there's a reason why I had the end ones. They used to sell. They used to sell the Shaqs at Ross. You they did. Yeah, roses and Ross. That's Ross. where I got. Yep. That's where I got my Shaqs. I, I was at Roses. I, yeah. I believe you can still buy them. Yeah, somewhere yeah. online. Yeah. You're right. So let me peel back some layers for you guys, because I did watch the documentary that that was focused on Penny. And then there was some type of feature documentary where Shaq and Penny were sitting by a swimming pool, ironing out their differences decades later, both giving each other their flowers. But if I go back to that time period when I was as immersed and consumed by NBA basketball as I am right now, I watched every playoff game, and the Magic were the hottest thing, even more than the Bulls, I, I'll say, because Jordan came back from baseball, and he was wearing 45, and all these excuses about, you know, my body was in baseball shape, all this, that, and the third. They still had Scottie Pippen. They still had a bunch of great players, and they still had uh, Phil Jackson. But here's who the Magic had. They had the secret weapon, and it wasn't Shaq or Penny. It was Horace Grant. Horace Grant played his entire career up to that point with the Chicago Bulls. He knew that player personnel inside and out. He knew the mind of Phil Jackson. So when Orlando came into that series, that secret weapon was inside the locker room of Orlando. And had it not been, and I'm not trying to, you know, denigrate this one guy because he missed some free throws, but the history of the Orlando Magic would be completely different, I think, had Nick Anderson not missed those four free throws. because. They go on, let's say they they beat Houston in that series. That starts a dynasty because I don't care what anybody says. Shaq and Kobe, they won three. I think Shaq and Penny would have won four, five, maybe even six because Penny was that good. He knew his role. He knew that Shaq was the leader and Penny was fine with sharing the ball. Penny was okay dishing the ball off to Shaq, throwing alley-oops. But like you guys were mentioning, that marketing in advertising stuff, the egos that got in the way, and Shaq was like, you're not going to pay me? I'm out. So he went to L.A. So I think, Maurice, they win at least four championships. Uh, I forgot about the Nick Anderson free throws. That's like that's yeah. like the Kawhi shot where like <clears throat> yeah. something happens 
And if it, if a team wins that series, everything changes, right? And like yeah. it's interesting that Nick Anderson, those free throws, it started. Yeah, it's really interesting how that when you look back on that. And and you're right. I think because Shaq didn't really. He was he's always been dominant, but like there were a couple years, and they still won games, but they didn't have playoff success really until 2000 mm-hmm. when they won their first chip. Right. And so he would have been with Penny those four or five years. Like just Penny in his prime, not waiting for Kobe to catch up. Dominated. And so Dominated. Yeah, had- let me let me ask you guys two quick questions regarding this. If the Orlando Magic would have won, like Uriah said, would they have been willing to pay Shaq as much as they did, or as yes. much as he wanted? Yes. Two. Yeah. Would that have made a di- if Shaq stayed? Would have would it have made a difference in terms of Penny's longevity, ability to stay healthy? Because yeah. he was, I, I I'm not sure. No, no. Here, here's. I was watching the documentary, and Penny was saying that after he he got injured, uh, after Shaq left, and he, I think he admitted, or maybe Shaq said, Penny started playing. He, all the burden was on him to score, to pass, to rebound. So all the wear and tear he experienced after Shaq was gone is because he was the man. He didn't have to be the man when Shaq was there. So I, I think I, I see where you're going, Lucas. I thought that too, Uriah, that the usage was just too much. And then you're right, Uriah, thinking back to the mid-90s, everyone had a Orlando Magic starter jacket. Oh, you're yeah. right. Yeah. I forgot. I had one. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, Orlando? But looking, <laughs> but that's how that's how much people like them. Yeah. yeah. And, I, and before we move on, I think real quick, the younger generation now don't realize – how big that little penny commercials were in the nineties. It was hilarious. Yeah, it was hilarious, man. Chris Rock's voice, it was everything. <laughs> and I could just imagine Shaq because he's let's just face it, he is bigger than life and he thinks of himself quite highly because he's he's yeah. just a he's a great dude. He's a personality. Yeah. He's a personality. mark he is literally a marketing brand, a walking marketing brand. Like anything he touches turns to to gold in business. And you look at Penny overshadowing that, and they're both in their early 20s. It's no wonder that there was some jealousy going on there. And they admitted to it. So, yeah, you know, what could have been? Yeah, what could have been? All right. So we talked about, about the Orlando Magic. The Orlando Magic actually traded Anthony Hardaway, Penny Hardaway, to the Phoenix Suns for Danny Manning, Pat Garrity, and two second-round picks. So... He played the rest of his career, I would say, the downside of his prime with the Phoenix Suns. His teammates were Jason Kidd, who he eventually played with. So that's two really good guards on the same team. Sean Marion, Joe Johnson, I want to say that's his rookie year, 2001. Amari Stoudemire. Oh, he actually played a year with Kevin Johnson. Okay. I didn't even know that one. Yeah, I didn't know that either. No. Vinny Del Negro and Mario Ellie. Mm. Vinny so, Del Negro. I have not heard that name since 2012 <laughs> or two, yeah. whenever he got fired from the Clippers. Yeah. Well, him and <laughs> and uh, and Mario Ellie. I forgot he played for that team. All right. Then after that, he signed with the New York Knicks. At this point, he became a journeyman. Kurt Thomas, Tim Thomas, Shannon Anderson, Jamal Crawford, Allen Houston. They came in Mutombo. I forgot Mutombo played with the Knicks. Keith Van Horn. And then ended his career with the Miami Heat. 
Um, he joined the Heat the year after they won the NBA championship, 07-08. Ricky Davis, Lonzo Mourning, and Dwayne Wade. So, in a nutshell, that's the end of Penny Hardaway's career in the NBA. He had a sure prime. He had a very sure prime, but them, them prime years in Orlando were were something special. And you know, before the injuries, before the injuries took a toll on him, he was on on track to be a I would I would say a top fifty player all time. I think it's just a shame that his career was cut short. That knee injury, he admitted he was never the same when he came back, and but still. One of the first things Ben said in the beginning of this episode is highly impactful in a short period of time. And his popularity was tremendous, tremendous, and for obvious reasons. I guess it's not surprising that he didn't make the top 75 NBA players. You you guys agree? Yeah, I agree. I don't, longevity wasn't there. If, If it was 10 years of that, maybe. Yeah, agreed. You kind of have to sometimes stick it out with a duo, especially if they made the finals. But it's it's reminding me a little bit of like Jokic and Jamal Murray. Yeah. Um. That that kind of pairing. It was like a really good pairing. Yeah. I, it's too bad that it was it was cut short. I would say those teammates. But and then it was interesting that that Phoenix Suns team with Sean Marion and Amari that early. It's funny he was on that team. That was an exciting team. Young Amari Sadamari, young yeah. Sean Marion. Now that we've set up the debate with all the facts on SGA and Penny Hardaway, it's time for you to make your case. At this point, it's not about our opinion. It's about yours. We'll see you on your favorite social media platform, ready to check out your takes. Chime in on our Instagram at NBA underscore now and then underscore pod, on Twitter at NBA underscore now and then, and on our Facebook page, NBA now and then. All right, everybody. We appreciate your support. But until next time, this has been NBA Now and Then, the greatest comparisons. Peace. Have a great day. See you. Later. Later.